Hello and welcome to the 1099. This is episode 6 for the week of August 10th. Every week I update you guys on the weather and say it is gross and rainy out in Jacksonville. And for the first time, podcast exclusive, it's sunny, it's like 95 degrees, there's not a cloud in the sky, and I'm going to the beach soon. So today is great. Before I go to the beach, we have a podcast to record, and I'm really excited for this one. With me today is a very big figure in podcasting. He's been doing this for 10 years, uh, has found wild success, both his audience and the people he works with. He is the founder and co-host of Gamertag Radio. It's Danny Pena. Danny, how are you doing today? Hey, how are you doing, man? Thanks I'm... for uh, inviting here uh, to the podcast, man. No problem at all. Um, yeah. I, I was really excited to get you on here because uh, we've had... Um, some really interesting writers, some really great YouTubers, but I haven't really had anyone who I would consider a really like a weekly uh, consistent podcaster. And I think you're the perfect person to have on here because you started, like I said, 10 years ago, 2005. And uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about right away is when you started doing podcasting, podcasting wasn't any sort of viable like career decision. <laughs> like you look at a podcast as I'm going to sit down with friends and I'm going to talk about what I love and what you love and what I love, you know, video games. So what back then, what was the podcasting landscape like and what made you decide to get into it? Well, there was nothing like gaming wise. There was no uh, other shows out there. Like I think maybe two other than not the other than mine. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is, I started before that. I started uh, a, a internet radio show called PSO Radio that was based on. Uh, this game from the Sega Dreamcast, Fantasy Star Online. I was about to say, I was like, is that yeah. a Fantasy Star podcast? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, at that time, it wasn't called a podcast. It was more like internet radio. Yeah. But it was the same thing. Like, I'll get uh, committee members from different sites. We'll talk about like different quests that Sega been uh, uploading to the server. And we, we'll, we'll like talk about like issues that we have within the community. So I did that for like a good year or two. And, uh, and at the same time, that year in 2001, uh, Xbox and Nintendo, they were planning to launch their games, their systems. It was the Nintendo GameCube and the original Xbox. Mm -hmm. So they went to New York City, and um, I, I had a different, another show called Game Voice. And what I did was, okay, I'm going to take my tape recorder, and I'm going to interview the people involved with the project. So they were there. And uh, I got to interview them and everything. And they gave me an opportunity. They, uh, they hooked me up. Well, actually, Microsoft did. Mm. They hooked me up with a brand new console before it came out. And they were like, okay, we would like to invite you to the launch party in Times Square. I was like, okay, this is pretty awesome. <laughs> so I went there and I got to meet uh, Bill Gates. I got to meet, uh, of oh, course, original founders. Really? Like, yeah. I have pictures <laughs> online. And stuff. I was like, oh, man. So there's a picture of me there, like, actually – watching Bill Gates playing one of the games and the media was actually asking me questions about the system, like my thoughts and, you know, feedback. And it was cool. Like you will find a video on YouTube. You see me there like in the background and stuff, but I know there's, there's pictures online too of me with him and stuff. So it was a pretty cool moment. And after that, I took a break from the whole internet radio thing. And then February of 2005, I launched Gamertag Radio with my brother. Uh, and yeah, that's, History from there has been like crazy with the, with the show. Um, you know, we we got really popular uh, in 2005. Like the reason why was because we interviewed. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of this clan called PMS. PMS clan, yes, this is absolutely. Like very old school. They went to the launch. Well, actually, the reveal party with MTV and Microsoft. They wanted to reveal the Xbox 360. 
So they went there on a Thursday, and I interviewed them on a Friday, and the show was going to come out a week after that. So I interviewed them, and they basically gave us the scoop about the system, about the console, everything, before it came out. They talked about Perfect Dark Zero, Call of Duty, um, the hard drive, how, it's, how it looks, the design, everything, everything. So I put it up for like an hour, and a bunch of websites downloaded it. And then Microsoft called me within like 30 minutes or so, uh, Major Nelson and Trixie. And yeah. they were like, hey, Danny, can you please take this out? Because we're trying to save this for next week's show on MTV. I'm like, yeah, sure. But it was already too late because a bunch of people already downloaded it. <laughs> yeah, once that thing's it, on the internet, it's yeah, hard to so stop it. It. Was, it was everywhere, man. So IGN and all these major gaming sites basically posted it on their site. And that's how our name got out there because of that. That one interview. <laughs> it's something we talk a lot about in this podcast is sometimes it takes you know one interview, it takes one influential person pushing out your content and things just blow up and you never know when. But yeah. I mean, did you ever have any sort of aspirations to, of course, everyone goes into every sort of creative endeavor thinking, you know, hopefully one day this could become something big. This could become something that I can look on, like look back on and be proud of. But did you ever have any idea that you would blow up to be as big as you are? Not at all. At all. Like I see the, I was like, man, this potential, you know, but it, I never thought it was going to be like this. You know, 10 years ago, I was just recording, having fun, talking with my friends within the community and recording with my brother and friends. And it just, it just blew up, man. You know, we, there, there's been opportunities that popped up out of nowhere, you know, like sponsorship and, uh, and also companies inviting us to like check out their games worldwide. From going like sweet, I went to Sweden for the first time a couple months ago. Man, <clears throat> you know, like to check out. Uh, they showed us the Star Wars Battlefront game, mm. um, and only twenty of us got invited. The only podcaster, there was like a bunch of YouTubers there. Like little things like that, just makes me smile, you know, and 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 it makes me just want to keep on going. And not only that, this past February we we made we signed a deal with uh, CBS Radio. They have a uh, podcast network called Play It, mm -hmm. and uh, we are the only the only gaming uh, podcast for for now. I think they're they just signed a couple other ones. I'm not sure, but yeah, um, yeah, like we we signed a deal with them. Like things like that, it's just mind blowing, you know. And and I don't know, it, it's just cool and awesome, you know. Yeah, it's. So. I mean, there's so many times it, since I've been in this industry uh, where you just have moments where you kind of have to sit back and go like. I can't tell me that when I'm this 13 year old kid playing video games after school, like tell me I would be at E3, I would be talking to this person and I wouldn't be able to wrap my mind around it. It's, it's shocking what, you know, hard work and consistency can bring you. And so you, you had mentioned that you, you blew up from, you know, IGN GameSpot or posting these, this thing from uh, your podcast. But I think one of the, I don't know about the dangers, but one of the kind of the, the facts about when you blow up like that is very often you don't maintain a consistent audience. You don't, you have this big blow up, people go to you for a little bit and then they kind of disperse, but you've been able to keep a, a group together that listen to your podcast whenever it comes out. They want to see, they're always waiting for the next one to download on iTunes or any other service. What do you think you've done to maintain a healthy audience that uh, you'd actually call your fans? Uh, well, for me, Many things like we have done um, community events in Miami. Like our, we have we've done parties uh, to mm -hmm. celebrate our, our anniversary. We've done that a couple of years. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had like maybe 
four to six parties. And the best thing is just meeting your community. And not only that, uh, staying in touch with them, play with them on, uh, you know, whenever I get the chance, like online, on Xbox Live or, or PlayStation Network. You know, little things like that, because I, I feel that a lot of pack, podcasters just release their their shows, but they really don't engage with their audience. And, you know, like last week, I just came back from Texas. I was in um, Fort Worth, never been there before. That was like my first time. And it was extremely, extremely hot. Yeah, I've heard it's been real hot there. <laughs> I was like 103 degrees. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, so uh, they ducked me to the Podcaster Hall of Fame. Uh, last week and the first thing I did man was I invited my community members our listeners that live in that around that area so I invited them and we walked together to like the red carpet I, I got them drinks like you know whatever they needed I was there and we sat right in the front row of the awards because you know they've been part of our journey since day one every time we, we achieve something like they feel like they were they were part of that journey you know what I'm saying so yeah. Uh, I think it's very, very important to do that type of thing. You know, so No, you're totally right. And I yeah. think you're right that a lot of people, sometimes they look at their success and they think it's their success and they don't look at kind of the people who helped. You know, They watched, they listened to every single show or they read every one of your articles or they mm-hmm. always subscribe to your YouTube channel. And I've always noticed just from your Twitter account and from what I've heard is that you've been absolutely wonderful to those people who you know have brought you there. And if it wasn't for them kind of preaching the good word of Gamertag Radio, you wouldn't be accepting an award like that. And I do want to talk to you about that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're inducted into this Hall of Fame. Uh, and I think you told me you're the first gaming podcast that's done this, right? Yeah, the first one. This, actually, this is their first year doing mm-hmm. uh, having that award because they were waiting for 10 years of podcasts. And then they started with the awards, the Academy, and, and the whole Hall of Fame thing. So that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really, it's an amazing achievement. And I'm super happy for you. And I kind of want to know what... What was the process of them contacting you, uh, them explaining you know, why you're winning the award and you getting there? What, what was that whole experience like? It was uh, mind-blowing because, well, let me, let me go a, a year ago. Because um, hmm. I know them. They have this uh, conference that they uh, have every year. It's called Podcast Movement. Last year was the first year. So they started this as a Kickstarter thing. and Because uh, they, they want to have like an official conference just for podcasters. Yeah. So they did it last year. I believe they had like 600 people. It was very, the conference actually was very like all about business. And it wasn't about like for people that were just doing this out of fun. So then this year they made a lot of changes. They made it more official. Um, over a thousand, over a thousand people showed up. Maybe, wow. maybe 1200. I'm not sure. And they were like, all right, we're going to also have an award, you know, with Stitcher, uh, which is a pretty big, uh, company too when yeah. it comes to podcasting so yeah they um they basically surprised me because how this happened was i've been teasing people like okay we have a major announcement coming up get ready and it was the announcement of us signing a deal with cbs radio so then it was it was that then itunes featuring us on the front page like for the first time ever mm-hmm. it took us like 10 years to finally appear right at the front page <laughs> And then them contacting me privately, like, hey, Danny, we'd like to talk to you. Um, we'd like to induct you to the Podcasters Hall of Fame. I'm like, what? Like, it was so many things going on Yeah, at the what same a time. series of events. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, and that was like within back-to-back, like in one day, it was just all that stuff at the same time. 
and I'm there telling like my co-hosts, I mean, dude, this is what's going on. I mean, I got to keep this on the low because they're going to announce this around May or so or April. And yeah, man, it was it was a crazy, <laughs> crazy, <laughs> crazy time, man. But it was cool because it was not only me, but they also have um, Adam Curry mm. that he was basically we call him the pod father. He, he basically came up the whole podcasting thing, you know, with RSS feed to to download it, uh, MP3 wise and stuff. And it will send it back to your, like your computer. Cause there was no smartphones at that time, you know? Yeah. So it was him, uh, Leo Laporte, which is, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his, of his network, Twit, uh, Twit TV. Don't know if you heard of them or I not, have, but yeah. he has a huge, uh, uh, podcast network all about tech. It was him, Todd Cochran, which he's, uh, well known in a, in a podcasting community, Scott and Murr that they are, um, are known for like, uh, they're authors, book authors, so they're well known in the podcasting community too. With that, so it, it's crazy, like having them and then me into that whole group. It was just like insane. Like, man, I'm the only podcaster there, the gaming podcaster there, and uh, yeah, I was very, very, very proud about that, man. Uh, we got together over there at the awards, um, and yeah, we, we we talked a lot about how everything changed and everything. So about the whole uh, scene. I know you're probably like me in that you put so many hours into something and sometimes you don't even expect any return. It's this, like we talked about previously, this creative endeavor where this is a passion. And uh, when I was originally writing, it was not about, of course, I always had dreams of writing for GameSpot and IGN, but I wasn't getting paid back then. It was just this thing that I love to do. And to actually see that kind of, that reward for it, to finally be like, oh man, like people have been noticing, like all of the stuff I've done means something. And like, I'm never afraid to say when I first uh, was published in IGN, it was my first big feature. I was on the front page. And I remember being in college. I remember crying. I remember being there and getting emotional about it because it was all of this work and this goal that you're always pushing toward. And yeah. it's there. So, I mean, what was emotionally? How was that being able to, like, get in front of these people and kind of, like, you see all these listeners in the front row who helped get you there and you're able to bring them there. What was that like? I got, I got really, really emotional because, you know, a lot of people... Not only a lot of people doubted me, they were like, oh, it's a podcaster, you know, like, but at the same time, too, I went through a lot, like, of struggles, like, trying to get our, our content out there, you know, competing with the major sites and all that stuff, and, and, it, it, and also, like, dealing with trolls online, like, it was just <laughs> yeah. all, all that stuff co- combined, like, together, and, and it's like, man, like, I actually, like, I felt like I actually made it, you know, yeah. um, this has been, like, our best year ever and you know thanking like my parents and my crew and then i got really really emotional backstage um before i went on stage they gave me my award it was i don't know if you heard of 99 percent invisible i haven't no this is a really huge big podcast um the host of that his name is roman mars he was Mm -hmm. backstage and we were talking and um i told him what was going on and i introduced myself and stuff and he's like Man, you should be proud, man. This is it. This is the this is your big moment, you know. And uh, yeah, he went he went on stage to present an award, and then the guys that were uh, in charge of the whole award they gave me my trophy, and they were like, "All right, Danny, this is it. This is this is your moment." <laughs> and I'm like there trying to hold my tears, man. Like for the longest, like no, I'm not gonna cry, I'm not gonna cry. <laughs> then um, then uh, Cocobana, he's a uh, I'm a huge fan of his. He has a podcast of all about wrestling. He's a mm-hmm. comedian too, and he actually was the first wrestler to to create a podcast years ago. Yeah, so he was the one hosting the awards, and he 
had this like great, great intro about me, and I got really emotional. Like he was basically <laughs> saying like the like my story and how we got signed with CBS, CBS Radio and stuff, and um and yeah, I was like breaking down. Like oh man, I'm gonna cry now, man. So then they called me. I'm like all right, let me hold it, let me hold it for a little bit longer. <laughs> then I grabbed them. I want to say I grabbed the mic and I, I basically told the audience I'm like look, you know, I, I'm trying to hold my my tears and like everybody else felt the same way as me. Like. A lot of them never heard about me, never heard of Gamer Tag Radio, and they cried. Like when I cried, they were feeling it. They also cried. They also got emotional. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of them, well, actually, forgot to mention this. I mentioned at the end, um, Trixie, she used to be a community manager for Xbox mm -hmm. back in the days. And she was the one that dis basically discovered us um, when we released our first episode. She got uh, contacted me within like 24 hours interviewed us and she put us on xbox.com this is like february 2005 yeah wow yeah so uh our name got out there even more because of her so i thanked her um uh, and i mentioned like look you know uh, we love you you i know we you're battling cancer but but we're here you know like yeah. I, I dedicated that award to her that's awesome yeah so right there i just cried yeah, I, I couldn't take it no more. No, I don't blame you. Once again, <laughs> you when know? you put so much into something to finally yeah. see that reward and to see people appreciating it, it's very difficult not to kind of let that pour over. Um, yeah. Where did you put the trophy? Oh, what? I have it here, right? Uh, well, it's uh, my living room. I have it there. I have a couple trophies there. Like I have like my um, Xbox MVP awards and and uh, little other things that have like swags that I've been getting throughout the years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah, I have everything there. It's, it's pretty cool. It's it's awesome. Man. Yeah. I, last night, uh, I I went to my father's house and I showed it to him for the first time, and he was like, "Oh, he got emotional and stuff," you know. So it's cool, man. Yeah, that it's must cool. be it's, one of it's the history. It's history. Yeah, I was know? gonna like, say that must be one of the biggest. Like you look at that trophy, almost like higher up than every other one. Of course, all those other ones have meaning to it, but yeah, this is a <laughs> this one means a lot. Yeah, it means a lot because you know at the same time, like. I mentioned this to a lot of podcasters or like I was planning to say this in the speech, but I was just like, it was at the moment I had like a script and I totally freestyle the whole thing. Cause I was just like out of it. I'm tr I was trying to hold my tears and stuff, you know, but, um, the podcasters over there, I was telling them like, this is history. You know, I, I was the, out of all the six, uh, the, out of everybody from the hall of fame, I was the first person who went up there to talk. Mm, that's awesome. Um, and got my award. Then it was like I'm the first Latino uh, part of that group, the first gaming podcaster ever, you know. And I hope this opened the doors for like everybody else for for other gaming podcasters. Cause like I'm not saying I'm like the the only one that could do type of this type of thing. Like I feel that everybody else could do the same thing, you know. Get the the interviews that they could get. They could get uh, the opportunity too, man, to shine. You know, um, yeah. and I just did my part so other people could also get the opportunity too. Because I feel that that it's not competing against other other podcasters, but when one person shine, I I I think that everybody else get to shine too. You open doors and open doors um, exactly. You had just mentioned that you know anyone like other people can get those kind of interviews, and you've had over the course of you know the ten years you've been doing this, some amazing people on your show. You've had. Uh, Xbox and Microsoft executives, and you talk about how you met Bill Gates. But um, over the course of these ten years, what was maybe the first or the biggest moment where your someone accepted your invite, and this guy or this this you know male or female is on the show, and you kind of have to sit back and go like, man, I can't believe I'm talking to blank. I can't believe I'm talking to Phil Spencer. I can't believe I'm mm -hmm. talking to 
Major Nelson? What was the, maybe the first moment where you had to go, how did this happen? Well, that was, actually, there was two people. One was Jay Aller. Don't know mm-hmm. if you remember Jay Aller or yeah, not. Absolutely. He was basically one of the creators of Xbox. Yeah. He was there from the first console and the second console. And uh, I told Trixie, like, man, I would love to have him on our show for like a quick interview. That, you know, the Xbox 360 is launching next week. You know, can, can he do it? And it's crazy. She talked to him. And he's like, yes, I'll do it. With no, with no PR involved, nothing. They just straight up called me and we made it happen. This is like with no PR. Usually you got to get permission from them. Yeah. Nope. He was, he, he was like totally against, against that. He just called us and we did the interview right there. Uh, I was in shock. I was like, oh, my God, this is the creator of Xbox <laughs> talking to us on our podcast. Having him and also having Peter Moore up on our show was uh, – was mind blowing because I'm a huge fan of the Sega Dreamcast. He was involved with that, um, and then he from there he went to uh, to work with Microsoft. And um, having him was pretty cool, man. Like it was he, first of all, he remembers me from different past E3s. Yeah. Uh, uh, so he mentioned that it was like a Q and A roundtable with different uh, community, community members that were there, but I was the only one that was recording uh, the conversation. So what I did was I brought my my mixer, my mic. Everything like I didn't have no portable recorder to take like to take around stuff. So I went to Microsoft Studio, the, the headquarters over there in Seattle, and I sat down with them and Peter Moore. And we were just talking, and he said something about the Wii. I can't remember exactly what he said. That again, all these other major websites picked it up, and it just went around. and And that's the thing that I love about about our podcast. When we record an interview, I'm not thinking about headlines. I'm not thinking about none of that stuff. I'm just thinking about having a great conversation with that one person that's on our show. And yeah. eventually it, it, it's just it's just that that vibe that between our like our during like our conversation that I might bring something up right there that I'm thinking about it like at the moment. They answer it and I'm like, all right, let me post it on our site. And then somebody else picks it up and it just goes around, you know? So I, I think that's the best way to uh to spread the word about your content. there's too many YouTubers or podcasters or even writers that they love that clickbait type material. Mm-hmm. And I feel that you could get clicks w- even without that. You know, it, it, when you do clickbait stuff, I feel like you're being too desperate and you're trying to get hits based on whatever headline you have there. You know what I'm saying? No, and people can tell. And I absolutely agree. And what you hit on there is perfect is that when you're having an interview, you don't want to go into that with this mindset of, I need to get this out of him. I need to generate these two headlines and make sure my questions are moving in that direction at all times. You want to have a conversation with someone. And I mean, podcasts are bigger than ever. I, I listen to podcasts when I work out. I listen to podcasts when I commute to work. And I don't want to listen to something that sounds like it's going for a BuzzFeed headline. I want a, a conversation. I want two people sharing ideas, maybe even arguing. I mean, there's a lot of podcasts that do that really well, and I think yours does. And I think that's a wonderful way to look at it as this conversation between two interesting people. Um, and I think you do get the audience and you do get the clicks from that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like, I, I'll i tell you a couple of interviews that we did, like, this year and last year that it just got out there even more. We Last year, we had Phil Spencer on our podcast. Mm-hmm. And the reason how that happened was because the year before that, we went to E3 and like the press conference was horrible because all, that's when Don Matrick was in charge. 
So yeah. I, I just didn't like the whole the whole message because I felt like Xbox was really involved in the community back in the days. Um, and then Sony started doing the th- same thing with PlayStation. Like, I love seeing that type of things, you know, like engage with your community and stuff because the community are the ones supporting you, buying your games, buying your products, you know? Absolutely. So I felt that when Don Matrick was around, they basically like ignored the, the community. They were number one selling their consoles and stuff. And it's like, uh, I, I, I got a weird vibe, man. So I wrote a letter calling him out basically on our website. Um, it went around uh, a lot of the formal people that used to work at Microsoft contacted me privately to say thank you for, for, for us like posting that thing on, on the website and laying that word out. Major Nelson was like, we're going to try our best to get, get him Don Matrick on your show, whatever. I'm like, yeah, it's not going to happen. So, Two weeks after that, Don Matrick basically quits. He left Microsoft and mm-hmm. he went to work uh, somewhere else. So months has passed by. Then they announced that Phil Spencer is taking over Xbox. And uh, they hit me up, I believe, oh man, a year after that, because they wanted him to be on our podcast. So we set it up for months. We're like, all right, we're going to make it happen at, during E3. So we had him. We had a great conversation. And uh, the vibe was great. So my co-host asked him about Family Share. I don't know if you remember that that feature yeah. that was that was come out for the for the Xbox One originally for during launch, but people were like so upset or scared that they removed it. So we asked that question: Hey, do you see Family Share coming back? And he's like, explain. He basically explained to us like um, they're still working on it. They don't know what they're gonna do with it. So it was like a simple, you know, Q and A, whatever. Then the next, I think a week after, a week after we posted our, our our interview, Phil Spencer like tweeted it out and stuff. And then I noticed it picked up. It got picked up by Forbes. It got picked up by IGN. I got picked up from all these other sites. I'm like, what the, <laughs> what the hell's going on here? You know what I'm saying? Like just that. Like it was just a natural, organic type type thing. Like it just went around, right? Then this past June. I had uh, Aaron Greenberg, and I know Aaron for years. So every time we have an interview, like we sit there and like we'll tell him like straight up if something is horrible, if it sucks. Like we'll he and he's really really cool about that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And he tells us straight up like the the reason why he loves our show is because we keep it real. We're not like a bunch of people that kiss ass, and you know. And that basically pushed them to make the product even better, you know. So when we had on our show, I asked him, "Hey, I'm a huge fan of Phantom Dust." What is that game canceled? Like, what, what's going on? And he basically said, No, it's not canceled. We're just looking for the right uh, developers to work on it. Boom, I posted that interview, the same exact thing, a bunch of sites. I got to see people talking about on NeoGAF and Kutaku posted it up. I remember that news floating up and I saw yeah. it. I was like, Man, okay. That's... But see what I'm saying? Like, doing things like that organically, like not planned, not. I think that's the best thing, man. I think that helps the, the industry when it is, when it's like real conversation, not. Not questions that's gonna make the people that you're interviewing uncomfortable. You know, we've been to many events. Like I seen, we went to one event. It was for Titanfall. This is like a couple of years ago. And again, we were the only podcaster. The majority were all YouTubers and live streamers, right? Mm-hmm. So we're there talking with with the developers, and I, I could notice that some of the people that were interviewing the developers were asking those type of uncomfortable questions that if it just felt weird. You know, yeah. that 
the developers didn't really want to answer. They're like, yo, what the hell is this guy doing? He's trying to get these hits, you know? They talk to us, and they feel so comfortable, and we ask some pretty good questions. Like, some of them, we got personal. Like, how was it working, you know, away from, you know, being out there all the time, away from their family, like, things like that. Like, I wanted to know, like, how was, how was the struggle to work on this game, you know? Yeah. And it was a great, great conversation that, all the developers that we had, I, we had uh, Abby, we had uh, oh man, the whole, the top guys from, from Respawn. Yeah. They went to EA and their PR and told them, yo, these guys, they, are, they were the best ones. I, we felt great and we had a great time talking to Gamer Tiger Radio. You know what I'm saying? Like that, I think we should do more. Like just that type of vibe instead of the whole gotcha question, you know? Yeah, and that type so, of vibe. I mean, you look at the fact that you know Greenberg and Spencer are going on a podcast and talking in depth is something that a lot of us couldn't even imagine years ago. Um, you look at you know President Barack Obama going on Mark Maron's podcast, and you see yep. these major people going on there. And you know, four years ago, even three years ago, we would never think a president is going on a podcast. Like, what does that even mean? And yeah. uh, they understand that. One, there's this exponential growth where people are just listening to podcasts more and they find these personalities and they stick with them and they love to listen to them. Uh, mm -hmm. But two, it's a wonderful way to communicate things in a very uh, level-headed manner. When you, you know, whether or not you agree with what Obama's done, if you agree with what he's done, it, when you listen to him, you can relate in that he sounds like a real person. He sounds like someone who's sitting down and having a casual conversation in the same way that when you have a Xbox or Microsoft executive on your show, mm -hmm. it's not this, you know, in this suit and tie at a big presentation talking to a crowd and making sure, okay, I can't hit on this talking point. I don't want to say this. I don't want to say this. It becomes casual. It becomes real. And that's, I think... If you agree with me, one of the things that you've excelled at is making it casual and making it feel like two people talking and not one person trying to ask these gotcha questions. Yeah, and it, I'm first of all, I'm having a great time talking. Like right now, we're having a, a, a great conversation. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the type of content we should release, man. You know, like I feel that people are way too worried of of getting clicks because it helped them to get some ad money or whatever, you know, yeah. like, look, you know, we, we worked really, really hard throughout the years in June for the first time. We nearly hit in just 30 days, nearly hit a million listens just for the month of June. That's amazing. That was just our roundtable discussions, our interviews during E3. You know, it's possible to get hits without being crazy and, and trying to have like controversy like look for me when you do um uh, it's like a relationship when you get into a relationship and you do everything too fast your relationship is gonna end really really fast mm -hmm. you know quiz success to me I'm not, I, I'm not a fan of that i'm a fan of working hard and just let everything happen and eventually opportunities are gonna come and then success after that you know like that's the type of thing that we like you know, I couldn't agree um, more. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I know people are like are desperate because they see, you know, they see, the, for example, PewDiePie and all these other people that are very, very successful. That's cool, you know, but they also pay their dues, man. They took their time to to get their name out there. You know, I did the same. And, you know, why not take your time with that stuff instead of rushing it and trying to be 
on top. You know what I'm saying? So Success that happens overnight is success that I question. It's success that I don't think has staying power. Um, mm-hmm. Some people are lucky enough to you know, release a video or a podcast and suddenly it explodes. But I always have the strong feeling that that next episode, the next video is not going to reach that because what you've done um, and what PewDiePie and some people like that have done is they've built this audience over time. They've built the success from the ground up. So for me, that's, yeah, I totally agree that if you're trying to rush it, if you're trying to ride this podcasting wave, if you're trying to ride the YouTube wave, you're not doing it the right way. You're doing it insincerely. There's insincerity in that because you need to uh, make sure you have the passion and you're going to build it up and uh, establish something that has staying power. And your show has staying power. And of course, I never like to get too deep in financial stuff on the show because I wouldn't ask you that. But I do want to know, has Gamertag Radio become something that do you also work a full-time job with the show or is this your source of income? Yeah, well, I also have a uh, full-time job. So mm-hmm. this is my side thing that I have with GTR. Yes, we've got like I've been getting money with GTR since 2006. Um our first sponsor ever um was the US Navy. They sponsored us for 4 years. Wow. I mean, not 4 years, for 4 months. Mm. Um, during the holidays, and yeah, we had our ad, their ad playing on the show. Uh, I remember when that happened, a lot of the gaming podcasters were like, oh, Godfrey's a sellout, you know, this should be free, and I'm like, oh, come on, man, I gotta pay bills, man, you know, like. And look how much that's changed since then, look how every single podcast out there, from medium-sized to big, all have ads throughout their show. Yeah, we did that, Um, and now with with, with the whole CBS play thing, they uh, been getting us ads. My God, like oh, every week, every week mm-hmm. there's somebody. You know, we haven't gotten like like even four sponsors in one episode. Wow. You know, um, we have one sponsor, DraftKings. They sponsor us for the whole year. You know, like things like that, and it's helping us. Like, look, I could easily say forget about my job and just do this full time if I want to, <laughs> but. At the same time, I'm trying to do be smart about it. You know, um, I love my job. I'm getting pretty good money from there. And also, I'm getting money from something that I love to do. So, I'm having fun. We, we even got, you know, money through uh, launch parties. We've done um, community events with gaming companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they'll give us a budget and we'll rent a venue and we'll have, like, TVs everywhere. Where people could play their games and... We'll give away Xbox uh, for free or PlayStation uh, consoles for free. The important thing I want is my community to just have a great time and get to play those games before it comes out. That type of thing, you know? Is the dream yeah. to one day be able to just do this full-time? And I agree. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a freelancer. I write for games about IGN, but I also have a full-time job that I actually moved to Florida for. Um, and I think mm-hmm. for me right now, that's the smartest way to do it, where I could hustle and do full-time freelance but there's something nice about having that security and also having the passion on the side. But yeah. let's say someday, let's say next year, you know, things explode and you're getting 2 million downloads or 2 million listens a month. Mm-hmm. Um, would that be something you'd ever consider saying, I'm now going to go full time into this and just all, you know, all energy into this one project? Um, depends. Depends with the money. Yeah. Depends with the money. Like, yeah, if I see that, that we're growing even more then why not I'll, I'll 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 think about it you know it's not 100 percent, but i'll make it happen probably you know yeah. and at the same time i want my my crew to also be comfortable with that too because you know it's four of us you know yeah so and they're like without them i can't really do our my show because you know we're we're there we haven't taken a break at all this year 
That's not amazing. even one, not even one week off. Nothing. Like if I can't make it, then they have to record. If they can't make it, you know, I have to record. Like we're there. You know what I'm saying? So, um, like a couple of weeks ago, one of uh, Paris, one of my co-hosts, he took a week off. He went on vacation with his family. So I got to go with my other co-hosts, and we recorded and we released it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, um, things like that. You know, so it's that consistency that I think really does help you to continue to grow. You don't take any steps back. I mean, you look at uh, the Giant Bomb cast, which is one of my favorite podcasts from giantbomb.com. They, it's every Tuesday and they do it no matter what. They've, you know, they've gone through a lot. They've had loss and they still find a way to you know, say, we're going to do it every Tuesday for our fans, for our followers. And I think that's something that is really critical in that growth. But um, beyond just the idea of maybe skipping a week, was there ever a point over these 10 years where you ever got discouraged or you ever... So much was going on in life where you thought, I don't know if I have the time and energy to dedicate to this podcast. Was there ever a moment where you thought you might stop? Yeah, there was there was one moment that I, I barely talk about this. Like I think uh, another website asked me this question um, and during an interview because they, they had like a huge article about our 10th year anniversary and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I told them straight up um, that I almost stopped with the podcast. And the reason why was because um, years ago, I, I'm good friends with Aaron Greenberg. So he was on, he was on Skype and I was like, Hey Aaron, what's up? You know, Hey, hopefully we could get you on a show in the future. He's like, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm in New York right now. I'm like, Oh snap, really New York? Cause I'm from there. And what you doing over there? He's like, now nah, I'm working on this big, um, event. We're going to have a pretty big announcement. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, man, we're going to make history with this announcement. I'm like, Oh snap. Hey Aaron, is it okay? I could post this on the site. He's like, sure. Yeah. Put it up. It's cool. So I put it up. So I was like, all right. I didn't mention the name of the person I mentioned that, that hit us up. Um, I was like, okay, um, there is going to be a big announcement from Xbox, and it's going to be uh, history. I don't know, like some, something about history in the making, whatever. Mm. So I posted it on our website. And then we found out that it was Pac-Man, the, uh, champion, the championship edition. Oh, that yeah, champion, yep. That came out for Xbox Live Arcade. And it was that. And the reason why it was history was because the original developer of Pac-Man, that was his last game that he was going to develop yeah. of Pac-Man. So I can understand that, but the younger crowd didn't. So they thought it was going to be like something like Halo 6 or whatever. <laughs> like you know. So a lot of the podcasters that didn't like this, they were basically they, they did a whole show about us trashing us like oh look at that clickbait and this and this and that and look at that oh, hyping this thing for nothing and i didn't even really hype anything like i just posted what i heard mm. what they told me and the websites picked it up and that's not my fault it, it, they just picked it up you know so it was so stressful because man i was being attacked by everybody man everybody yeah. and one day, I remember staying home, and I'm like, man, I didn't go to work, and I'm there depressed. I'm like, man, like, I, I'm, you know me, like, when I find something, like, exclusive like that, like, I, I'm excited, because I'm going to send that, I want to, like, let my, my listeners know, the gaming community, what's going on, because I'm excited, I'm a, I'm a fan, too, of gaming. Mm. But at the same time, getting all this hate, I don't know what to do, like, and I was really rethinking about it, man. I, th- I thought I was going to, like, basically going to stop, but my girlfriend was the one that actually, like, we sat down and she was like, nah, don't, don't do that. You know, you have people that look that, that love your show that they will always support you no matter what. 
you know, um, just keep on doing your thing and don't worry about the trolls. Don't worry about the trolls. Keep on doing your thing. It's so difficult you know? to ignore those trolls sometimes. Um, it is hard. You know, as it someone is. who writes reviews, when you write a review that if I if I post a review and it's a five out of ten and everyone else is kind of giving it a seven or an eight, you know, you'll you'll look at those comments and people are vicious. People just pile on. Um, and I mean, another example that didn't happen to me. You look at um, Adam Orth, who was at Microsoft and um, had that deal with it hashtag that went viral when he was talking about Xbox One being online all the time. And I mean, he he left the company uh, and is now making a, a drift for a PC, PS4 and Xbox One, which kind of in a way is like a metaphor for what it's like to be piled on like that. And you're wondering what to do. You become so disoriented and things things snowball faster than you'd ever imagine these days where one wrong tweet or like you said, one post that you never had any sort of bad intention you want to share that with your community that you care about and you wanted to you know it's not like you're you're sitting there assuming like oh it's it's definitely going to be this i'm guessing but i think it's gonna be this you just said what you knew um and it's shocking how (laughs) how upset people can be and how ruthless they can be to someone they don't even know yeah and it's crazy (laughs) because you know talking to my girl she was telling me all these things i'm like man it's true why why i'm taking this to the heart, you know what? I'm just gonna keep on going. And uh, Aaron Greenberg, a week later after that, he came to our show and he gave us like I think like 15 or 20 codes of the of the game for us to give out our community. And he apologized and everything. He felt really really bad because um, man, he he got to see all those tweets. He got to see all those articles <laughs> of people trashing us and stuff. That was a really uh, low moment. Another low moment was uh, we got sponsored to go to E3 because. Uh, this is the year that they had Santa Monica E3. You remember that? Yeah. I never heard about it. It was the the worst E3 of ever. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. I remember people saying that. I didn't go to it, but I did not hear yeah. great things about it. Yeah. So, so yeah, I I bought my flight. I was still thinking about getting a hotel, and uh, you know, I've been hitting up uh, different gaming companies to see if they're willing to uh, invite us to E3. Um, you know, everything paid, whatever. So I got. EA games to sponsor us. So basically what happened, I, uh, they paid a flight for my co-host and they got us hotel to uh, a flight and hotel to go to, to go to E3. So we went there and it was cool. We, we, and we mentioned this to the, our audience, like, look, we got sponsored by EA. Like we, we didn't like hide anything from them. You know, the only thing was I wanted to interview them about their games, you know, and we talked good and bad about it. Like, we didn't change at all. But what happened? GameDaily.com posted a, I think you know him. His name is Cal, uh, Cal or- Orlando. Oh, um, yeah, no, I know exactly Cal. what you're talking about. We're good think, friends now, but it, yeah. he he had this whole article about us like, hey, this is kind of fishy. Why a gaming company is sponsoring a podcast to go to, to go to E3? And then other sites picked it up too. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Like, you know, I, I paid for my own flight, but I'm trying to get my co-host to go over there because they didn't have the funds. Yeah. This is the, you know, and, and we did it. And, and I said the truth to our audience, but no, we still see this crazy article about us on well, game day, you know? Also, so, and sorry to interrupt you. Um, yeah. you, you're not traditional journalism. So that like, if, I am representing GameSpot and, you know, Microsoft pays for me to go to E3 and then a whole bunch of positive Microsoft articles come come out. Like then people can kind of raise an eyebrow and be like, are they buying coverage 
first off, you were open about, you know, the money, the money you're getting for your team. But one, you, you know, like you said, you're saying positive and negative things. And two, do you consider yourself like a, a journalistic podcast or is, is, is what you do something a little bit different? No, I really don't. I ever, I never call myself a, a journalist ever since yeah. day one. <laughs> a lot of people do, not me. I don't, I don't do that at all. Um, but at the same time, th- this is one thing that I, I, I um, behind the scenes, I've been talking to uh, Dan Shu. He's mm-hmm. worked for EGM and the other, uh, now he works for PlayStation and stuff. But I asked him, I asked you um, before we announced it, hey, Shu, we're trying to make this announcement. You know, I told him everything about the situation about EA. And uh, I was like, look, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid that people are going to like flip out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to get to send my, my, my crew over there. But at the same time, I'm in a tight situation. Like, what I should do? And he was like, Danny, you're doing the right thing. Tell your audience. No matter what, just tell them. Just be you. You're not lying. You're saying the truth. Yeah, yeah there's going to be some that are going to be mad. But as long as you are keeping it real with them, you know, they're going to stick, they're going to support you, you know? And since that day, even before that, I always say the truth. Like we, I'm going over here. I've gotten this, I've gotten that, you know, it's always. Absolutely. You know, cause, cause I feel that when you break that trust, eventually the listeners, which are, are very smart listeners, they are going to spread the word like, Oh, don't trust that show. They're kind of shady. Like it's going to go around. And what happened when you don't have no listeners, you're going to lose everything. Absolutely. You know? So, yeah, you have to always be real with your listeners no matter what. Yeah, you disclose as much as you can. You don't want something like that to come up as a surprise. You don't want someone to find that out and you have to then apologize for not disclosing it. When it happens, you know, just say, this is this is how things are going. But just know, you know, you if you've, for me, I've always been, if you can't, if you look at me and think, I can't trust that guy, one, I'm probably doing something wrong, but two, then don't read my writing and you know, I'm not trying to lose followers. I'm just like, if you don't feel comfortable listening to me or reading my writing, don't follow me. But I'm going to always do my best to uh, tell people, you know, here's my background in this. Here's my any sort of connection with this. Uh, if I had a really close connection to a certain publisher in a certain game, I would make an effort to not review that game. Because, of course, I'm always going to be as you know objective as possible. Mm-hmm. But if my best friend or a family member develops a game, I'm not going to review that. Um, I don't think that is right for me to do that. And I think the same way with you, where you look at something and you say, you know, yes, this is happening, but know that if you trust us and you know, you're following us, know that I'm going to give you the same fair coverage throughout. I am not trying to pull one, you know, pull one over on you. And I think you've, you've always Mm -hmm. done a good job with that. So, you know, it sucks to always go through those times where people are questioning your integrity, but uh, I mean, you just almost hit a million views and you're having your best year. So I think, (laughs) I think you're doing okay. Yeah, we're we're just being us. Like, if we disagree about something, we're gonna talk about it. It's not what you say; it's how you say it, you know. And at the same time, when you give honest, honest feedback—not fanboy feedback, honest feedback—it will help the industry because these companies are are gonna make changes. Are gonna make changes that's gonna help us as consumers. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna love their games because our because we're sending them feedback. Like, look, like I said earlier. I went to Sweden, and the reason why I went to Sweden was because DICE wanted our feedback because they showed us the new Star Wars game, Battlefront. They showed it to us. They showed us like the, the trailer, and they talked about 
what they're trying to do. So they asked us what you want us, uh, what what you guys would like to see in the game. And we basically gave us, we gave them our feedback. Mm. You know, they trust us because they know we're very influential in the community. And, you know, hopefully based on that feedback, once the game comes out in November, hopefully it will be better. You know, like, you know, little things like that, I think it's important, man. Like, I, I know people that work behind the scenes and, and different gaming companies, and I see them at E3, and we're at a bar, at the bar drinking, talking, and they tell me, like, they love going to, let's say, uh, NeoGAF forums or listen to our podcasts or, or different websites because when they see real, real feedback, they send that to the team and they push them to make the product even better. You yeah. know, so... When it comes to the whole fanboy stuff, and that, that to me, that's not gonna help. Yeah, it's cool that you're a fan of a, of a company. You know, I started like that way back. You know, but I feel that when you have, you know, Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft out there, and even you know the third party companies, that helps the industry. When there's competition, it helps. It helps to make the industry stronger, and it's better for us as consumers because now we have so many options. Now, what what to play? You know, no, so. you, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I think what you said, you started out as like a fanboy in a certain way. I think everyone or at least most people who get in this industry do start out that way. They do start yeah. out with they have, um, you know, when I was younger, I was always this Sony guy and I couldn't help it. You're always you're rooting for one side or the other when you're growing up. But as I've matured, and as you've matured, you, you see all sides and you're not. Like you say, you can you can kiss ass if you want to, uh, because when you first start out and you get the first invite to E3 or someone is sponsoring you, you are concerned that if you don't kiss ass, you might lose that relationship. But as you become more established and as you learn more about how to do this job, you need to give them the positive and negative feedback because you want to play a better game too. You're not going to oh, tell oh, them yeah. this is yep. oh this one part of Battlefront is great even though in your head you're thinking oh I wish it was like this. Tell them you yeah. wish it was like that. You're seeing it early enough in development that you can make that difference and that's why reviews are great for developers to see that input and then for the sequel or for updates fix it. But for the communities like like yours and like NeoGaf, they can see that early and they know those people are very often raw. They are mm -hmm raw and they are truthful about what they're saying and they care about the final product they want to play a better video game yeah um, yeah and a matter of fact too like uh, i'll tell you this like i love building that trust with with, with developers and gaming companies right so a couple years ago i had um one of the developers that worked on a, the official afro samurai game right so we were there doing the interview whatever and by mistake he said something like Oh, we're working on um, on Afro Samurai Two. We're we're uh, pre-production right now, and this and this and that. And I'm there, like, hey, this hasn't been announced. Like, holy crap, this is crazy, right? Yeah. So then, at the end of the interview, the PR was like, hey, Danny, is it okay? You could remove that, you know, because it hasn't been announced, and we don't want no drama. I'm like, ah, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll edit it out. So I kept that audio for five, six years. I don't remember how long was the the last game that came out. I kept ago. it. For that long, right? Once they announced that Afro Samurai 2 was coming, I released it and I put it on our show. Like, look, guys, I had this announcement since years ago. Yeah. And the reason why I did that was because you got to build that trust. Yes, it's cool that we got some exclusive uh, news and stuff. But at the same time, yeah, we release it. But then what happened? Then we're going to lose the relationship from other companies too, you know? So... It's like the industry is so small, 
you do something and it just it goes around. The PR will either recommend you or they will not recommend you at all to other no, people. You, you, know? you couldn't be more right. It is it's small. <laughs> if and yeah. we always talk about this every time. Usually during the end of the show, we give tips. And so often I have people on here just saying, look, don't be an asshole. Because if you're an asshole to someone, it gets around. It just does. Like if it's if you're a bad to an editor at IGN, the guy at GameSpot might know. The guy at Video Gamer might know. And like you said, once again, you you held that back because you knew, is it worth the extra however many downloads to lose this relationship and get this reputation that as soon as I, if someone slips up once, I'm jumping on it. I'm writing that headline. And you didn't. Yeah. And I think that's the best way to handle it. Uh, yep. And like I said, normally we give tips at the end of the show. So I kind of want to move yep. on to that really quick. Um, yeah. For, like I said, when I first started this podcast, it was never supposed to be exclusively advice. And what I really enjoy about it is that you can have these interesting conversations, like you said, not look for specific pain points to hit on, but still also kind of give your real world story about how someone like you uh, jumped into this industry before it was even big in terms of podcasting. And now you're here getting inducted into this podcaster hall of fame. So this is kind of the point where I do like to focus on a lot of people. I get asked all the time and I'm sure you do. Uh, how do I get into this industry? It's, it's the most common question. So That's why I like to do with this section mm-hmm. to kind of give people advice and I can okay. start with one. Um, and it's something that we kind of had touched on over the course of this podcast. And that's don't be discouraged. If you start out very small, um, everyone, we'll build a YouTube channel and they have all this content they're creating or they have this podcast they're creating and they're really looking forward to making a splash. And maybe your first podcast episode will have 10 listens or it'll have maybe even five listens. And that can be very discouraging early on, but no, like you said, the overnight success is sometimes this hollow fake success. Uh, You want to, almost everyone builds small. You start somewhere you uh, and you find your voice over time. You have to make sure that you're not expecting success with your feature pitches, with your podcasts, with your YouTube channel right away. You see what works. So maybe you have your first three episodes get 10 downloads each and that fourth one gets 40 or it gets 50. And you look at that and you say, what did I do differently this time that brought more people there? And you build off of that. In the same way with your features, why did my editor like this feature more than he liked this feature? Or what in this... YouTube video got me more subscribed and got me more clicks and got me more views. So for me, as someone who's, I've done this for six years and I started as small as you can where my first articles were getting no traffic and you know, I still have a long way to go. But after that three year growing period, I found my critical voice. I found kind of what I was good at and it's given me the confidence to start a podcast like this where I want to be able to, in any way possible, show people there's no one way to get into this industry and be really successful, but there are, it feels like hundreds of little steps you can take to set yourself up for that success. And for me, if you start this journey tomorrow, you've never done any sort of writing or podcasting or YouTube stuff. That's awesome. But just know it's going to take time. And I think that's something we've kind of showed over the course of this podcast. Definitely. I'll give you one more that, that I think that's very, very important. You know, instead of staying home and posting your videos or your podcast online and, and invest the money that you get invest on traveling and going to events it doesn't have to be e3 it could be you know like pax or or rtx or whatever like there's so many other events out there where you can meet people that are that work in the gaming industry you know i in 2005 i went to e3 i had a crappy uh recording device 
And I used to also record through my built-in mic of the computer. That's how I used to start recording my show. Mm -hmm. And even back then, in 2001, I used to record everything on a tape recorder and then convert it to an MP3 and then post it online. That's how I used to record. Those are the you days. <laughs> Those were the days. But at the same time, I was out there meeting people. And the reason why I got to meet Bill Gates is because I went to the event. I met Jay Adler and I met every other person that, that were involved with with uh, with Xbox, you know, and Nintendo with the GameCube and stuff. So when I went to E3, I spent all my money on creating a press kit. So I had CDs, I had our bio, our pictures, our everything. I went to Kinko's with my brother. We wasted all my money on that. Then I, I when I went to e, um, LA, I rented a car. I wasted money on the hotel and everything. So for the week of E3, we only had $20.00. And with that $20, I was eating burgers, like dollar burgers <laughs> from McDonald's until I got paid either Thursday or Friday, you know. But the thing is, what I'm trying to say is, like, you know, instead of investing money on equipment, yes, it's cool that it looks professional and everything, go and invest money on traveling to meet these people because meeting people is the most powerful thing, more powerful than getting the high, high uh, expensive camera and mics and everything because... They're the ones, depending on how you act professionally, they're the ones that are going to be recommending you to other people. And it just goes around and around and around. And, and eventually, you're going to know a bunch of people, you know. So um, invest in that. Invest on traveling and attending events. Couldn't agree more. I think that's great advice. And uh, so if people want to find you, Danny, on Twitter or on iTunes, where should they be looking? Yeah, go to Godfrey uh, on Twitter, um, iTunes, look up Gamertag Radio, or go to GamertagRadio.com. Or play that it forward slash gamertag. We're we're everywhere. We're on Spotify. If you have the beta, uh, it hasn't launched yet, but I believe it's gonna launch some sometime in September. I think I'm not sure. Where you could also listen to us through there. iTunes, of course, Stitcher. We're we're everywhere. It doesn't matter what device you have, Windows, Android, or iOS. You'll find us. All right. Fantastic. Well, it was wonderful talking to you. Uh, I think it was a great conversation. You're a very important figure in my mind in this industry, and I only wish you continued success with what you've been doing. Uh, and once again, awesome that you were uh, the first gaming podcast con uh, inducted into that Hall of Fame. And yeah, I'll be looking for you online. And hopefully we can do this again sometime uh, next year when you're up to 10 million downloads a month. <laughs> thanks. Thanks a lot, man. It was actually fun. We had a great conversation, man. It wasn't a uh... It was the vibe was good, right? Absolutely. Was really, really good. Sounds yeah. cool. Thank you very much. And thanks to everyone for listening. And hopefully you will tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.